thank you, Brother Kim, and thank you for the, the message there of the cross. And if you think about this this morning, had the privilege this week to share uh, this message with, with many, many different individuals and, and uh, thank the Lord that our sin was placed upon the cross and uh, had the privilege this week, uh, just a, a couple on the road uh, traveling from uh, Nambay towards uh, Chimayo this week and uh, able to, to share the gospel, the cross with this couple and uh, just uh, they began to weep as they realized that uh, their debt had been paid in full and that all of the guilt, all of the shame had been placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that not only did he die for their sin, but up from the grave he arose. And, uh, and that's the gospel message that Christ died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. We're going to be this morning in the gospel of John chapter 21. The gospel of John chapter 21. And I want to encourage you, uh, not only uh, that you're here this morning, I want to encourage you to come back tonight. And uh, we're going to finish the latter part of uh, this section of Scripture this evening and, and uh, just uh, relate that to uh, what we've been preaching on Sunday evenings. Uh, we'll be in the Gospel of John 21, the first part or the first section this morning. I want to read from the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, then I'll have you stand Luke 24, this is one of my favorite verses and sections of Scripture concerning the resurrection. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? And I love this verse. He is not here but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. And uh, oh, what a precious thought. He is not here. He is risen. And that is our purpose here as a church, to proclaim the resurrected Savior of the world. Uh, the Gospel of John chapter 21, would you stand with me this morning as we read together a section of Scripture. We'll begin in verse number 1. John chapter 21, beginning at verse number 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself. This is after the resurrection. Now, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. That night they caught nothing. And when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land. But as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. 
As soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Uh, when the resurrected Lord shows up, things change, don't they? It's very evident uh, we can see this and it's that way in your life. Uh, when Jesus shows up and when you recognize a living Savior, it makes all of the difference in the world in your life. Uh, would you join me this morning? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. You pray this morning God's way would be done in every heart. He knows every heart. He knows your need this morning. Uh, he knows your destiny this morning. And this morning, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that which can make the difference. Father, thank you this morning. It's so good to be in this place. I thank you today that you are alive and living. And Lord, we come this morning into your presence. We need you today. And Lord, we ask you to take your word and point your word and direct your word to the very need of hearts this morning. There are some in this audience today that if they died would not uh, go to heaven. There are some today that have never been born again. And Lord, I pray that you would use your word to challenge that heart. Uh, Lord, there are some today that no doubt like Peter have wandered far away from you. And Lord, Lord, some today that are hurting at the depths of their heart, and I pray that you would show up this morning in their life and minister at the point of need in their life. Lord, we need you, look to you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated this morning. As we come this morning, this Easter morning, uh, it's uh, evident and uh, very truthful and very important for us to realize that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is central to the gospel that we preach today. Uh, Jesus died for our sins. I'm thankful for that. I could not save myself. My religion could not save me. All of my guilt and shame was placed upon the cross of Calvary when Jesus was made to be sin for me. He died for our sins. Uh, my Lord Jesus Christ was buried. He was placed in a tomb. He was dead as dead could be. There was no heartbeat. Uh, there was no pulse. He was buried. But the Bible says up from the grave he arose. He arose a victor over death. And after the resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ showed himself, the Bible says in the Gospel of Acts, by many infallible proofs. Uh, there was no doubt of the resurrected Christ. Uh, during the 40 days after the resurrection, uh, Jesus showed himself to the disciples time and time again. It, it literally changed their lives. Uh, they went from a place of discouragement to a place of great victory. And with power, they preached the gospel message. In the book of Acts, every message they preached dealt with the resurrection they boldly preached a resurrected Savior. Uh, they understood that the resurrection separated Jesus from every other religious leader. It was the resurrection that proved Jesus Christ to be God with power from the dead by his resurrection. Now John chapter 21 tells us 
of one of the appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ to the disciples. Now the Bible tells us here in John chapter 21 verse number 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now we know this is the Sea of Galilee. It's sometimes called the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, my wife and I back in November had the privilege of uh, a motel for three nights in the city of Tiberias. It's on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful location and uh, on that western shore. And the Bible says uh, Jesus appeared to the disciples on the sea and he showed himself unto them on this wise. Uh, what the Bible says here in verse number 1, this is how Jesus revealed himself to the disciples. These are the circumstances surrounding this appearance of Jesus to the disciples. In verse number 14, the Bible tells us that this is now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. If you go back to John chapter 20, uh, and I, I believe we're speaking here of the disciples as, as a group or as a whole. Uh, the first time was in Jerusalem, John chapter 20. And verse number 19, this would have been on the Sunday evening after the resurrection. In verse number 19, John 20, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And at this first appearance, he gives them this first commission. As my Father sent me, so send I you. Uh, you skip down, John chapter 20, and we see in verse number 26, the second appearance. It reads, after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, and I, I love this statement of Thomas, My Lord and my God, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our Jesus is God, manifest in flesh. God become man. He is the living God, the creator of the world. That was the second appearance of Jesus Christ. Now the third time is in Galilee. Now, this instance that we read about. Uh, on several occasions, Jesus had previously told his disciples that he would meet them in Galilee. And now they have arrived in Galilee. And I want to, to look at uh, this wise Jesus appeared to the disciples. Some important lessons, guidance for us this morning concerning the resurrected Lord. Now read with me verse 2 and the first part of verse 3. Uh, we're going to call this the disillusioned plan. The Bible says there were together Simon Peter, and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. Now, it's evident, this was a time of confusion. It was a time of discouragement. 
they did not yet understand Christ's purposes. It was about three and a half years previously. Uh, Peter was fishing. And Jesus came along. And he said, Peter, and to others of the disciples, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Three and a half years previously, Jesus, or Peter, left all to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He left behind the nets. He left the boats. He left the family. He left it all behind to follow Jesus Christ. And so had all of the apostles. For three and a half years, their whole life was wrapped up in serving Jesus Christ. And now Jesus had been crucified. Uh, they knew he was alive. This is the third appearance. He's already appeared to them, but it was different now. He wasn't always with them as he had been previously. Uh, there were many questions. Uh, it's no doubt, what are we to do now with our lives? Now that Jesus has been crucified, what direction do we take? How do we provide for our families? And so Peter, the leader, uh, took the, the first steps. Uh, he said, I go a-fishing. Those of you that know Brother Salcedo, he claims that is his life verse. He said, I go a-fishing. Uh, immediately, as Peter said, I go a-fishing, six others joined him. There was Thomas, there was Nathaniel, James, and John, two unnamed, I, I'm going to guess, maybe Andrew, the brother of Peter, and maybe Philip, the friend of Nathaniel. The Bible does not name them. And I think the Bible leaves this blank because we can fit ourselves into this picture. We can understand what the Lord is trying to teach us. Uh, I go a-fishing. There are many thoughts as, as to why. Uh, perhaps Peter felt he had so failed. Uh, remember, it was Peter that denied the Lord three times, even cursing, saying, I'm not one of his disciples. And, and I'm wondering if in the heart of Peter, there's not this thought. Could God ever use me again? And if not, I know this fishing business. Uh, it's easy to go back. I can always provide through the fishing. And perhaps Peter and the disciples saw this need to supply for their families. And, and that's how they made the living before following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they went. And so I, I picture this. And having been there on the Sea of Galilee. And having been in the city of Tiberias. And I can picture uh, just this beautiful evening. This city of Tiberias was on the, on the west side or the west coast of the Sea of Galilee. And I can picture the sun as it's setting in the evening. And, and I can picture the little ripples on the lake. And I thought about this story while we were there in that motel looking out over the sea. And I can imagine in Peter's mind those fond memories of the days with his family and with his friends. They were fishing in that boat out on the sea. And so Peter, at this moment of discouragement and this disappointment in his life, I go a-fishing. And I'm thinking back on my life, and there's no doubt that somebody here today, you can understand this. As a boy, my dream was to be a farmer. Uh, just like my daddy, and like my grandpa, and my great-grandpa, and my uncle. Uh, it's all I thought about. Uh, I was going to farm and, and take up the shoes and follow in their shoes and their footsteps. And then the Lord called me to preach, and my dream changed. And I went from the point of, of being a farmer to being 
a farmer for the Lord and came to the point all I wanted to do with life was to be God's preacher. And then like Peter, there was a time of failure. There was a time of discouragement. And in my heart, I remember thinking, Lord, where are you? Where have you gone? I don't, as I read my Bible, you don't speak to me like you used to speak to me. As I pray, I I don't sense that you're hearing my prayers. And in my heart, Lord, I wonder where you've gone. And, And my thought is, could God ever use me again? And then I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to have to go back to farming. That's how I know to make a living. And I'm just wondering if that was not the heart of Peter. It's a disillusioned plan. But you'll see in verse number 3, and I believe this is a designed problem, or we might say a disappointed providence in verse 3. And that night they caught nothing. Now that was God's providence. That was God's design. You understand, these were fishermen. They knew their business. They're not like me, just deciding one day I'm going to go out and go fishing. These men knew their business. They knew the lake. And the conditions on the lake appeared right. And so they fished, and they fished, and they toiled, but nothing. God did not allow a single fish into their nets that night. It sounds like my fishing trips, uh, my hunting trips. Uh, not a single, single fish will get on the hook or the line and, and all the elk run to the other side. Uh, they know where I am and they get away. And so God didn't bless their efforts that night. Completely fruitless efforts. Hour after hour passed. Nothing. Again and again, they let down their nets. I'm wondering if they didn't talk amongst themselves. You remember that spot where that time we caught all those big fish? Let's go try it out. And they would go to that part of the lake and nothing. Well, Peter, what about that place where uh, several years ago, you remember that where our dads first taught us to fish? Let's go there. Let's try that hole. never fails. And so they go, nothing. Uh, They most likely tried all of the good spots, but the Lord kept all the fish away that night. Why? See, I believe God arranged it so. God is teaching them life lessons. Had the Lord blessed their fishing efforts that night, I'm just wondering if there would not have been a real temptation to go back to it, and those fruitless efforts uh, were for their own protection. All of us, our labor is vain, except the Lord bless it. It is God that must provide our daily needs. It is God that must give us fruitfulness in the ministry. And apart from Him, our labor and our toil will be fruitless. Now here is is a lesson, and it's so important for us to grasp this morning. Every Failure, every disappointment, every fruitless effort can be used of God to show us our need of Him, to humble us and to bring us to the point of total dependence 
upon him. I had to come to this place concerning my salvation. I had been baptized in fourth grade. had tried to do the best that I knew how to do. But God had to show me that all of my religion and all of my righteousness were vain except for his shed blood. And that I could not earn my way to heaven or deserve heaven. It was God's free gift. And so God often teaches us our weakness, our own helplessness. I read the story of a young preacher. He'd been serving the Lord faithfully for 10, 15 years. Then some horrible circumstances arose in his life. He resigned. He spent a a little over a year pursuing a job, and he was very talented at what he was pursuing. had a dear friend that was the boss of the company and given him much freedom and flexibility. But it was not God's will, and he tells about this years later. He said it was not God's will. And he said, although I knew what I was doing and although I had a dear friend and we enjoyed the fellowship, he said, God did not bless. And he said, that was the most fruitless year of my life because I was out of the will of God. And God would not prosper my life apart from his will. And so there's the designed problem. Now look with me at verse number four. Uh, The undiscerned presence. It reads, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus knew where they were. He knew all about them. He knew that Peter was contemplating going back to the fishing business. And Jesus shows up on the shore. And again, I pictured this as we were in Tiberias, and in the morning, our window looked out over the lake. And we would rise that first morning there in Tiberias before the sun would rise. And we watched that morning as the sun rose up over the Golan Heights on the eastern shore. And we watched that sun rise. And, and then the, the gleam or the, 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 the sun as it began to shine across that lake. And oh, what a beautiful sight. And I kind of pictured that as Jesus showed up on the shore. He was there. A a beautiful morning. They didn't recognize him. He had allowed them to thoroughly be disappointed. Fruitless that night. And then he showed up and he was prepared for them. Look in verse number 5. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. But they did not recognize him. Give you a thought. How many times is Jesus near, but we don't recognize him? Uh, He stands by the shore. It's maybe a time of failure, a time of disappointment, a time when others have let you down. Maybe it's a time of of sickness, Uh, perhaps a time in your life of of fruitlessness. And, And there's Jesus, but we miss his presence. We don't discern him in our midst. I believe Jesus was teaching his disciples. It's such an important lesson for all of us. He's teaching them to walk by faith and not by sight. He was teaching them that he was with them always, even when they did not know it or recognize him. He had already told them 
I must go away. And he said, if I do not go away, the comforter will not come. But when I go away, I will send the comforter, and that comforter will dwell with you and be with you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so it is for us. You're saved this morning. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And that Holy Spirit is with you at all times, even in the darkest hour of your life. At that point when you do not discern Him, He's there. I like Moses. He recognized this. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible tells us that by faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. And then the Bible states, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. See, God wants us to know this at all times. The master is here. And he sees you when you least recognize it. He knows what you listen to and he knows what you see with your eyes and where you go and the places that you are and you cannot get away from him or hide from him. He's present always. That undiscerned presence. Verse number 6, John 21. Here's the daunting proof. In verse number 6, And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They did not know yet this was the Lord. The Lord knew where the fish were. I think the Lord chased them away all night. Uh, it's kind of like the, the husband and wife. They were out hunting, and uh, this big buck comes along. And the husband's just about to shoot the buck, and the wife stands up and yells. And the buck takes off, and uh, she says to her husband, he's too pretty to shoot. And that night the Lord chased the fish away, all night. But now the Lord gathered the fish, and he allowed them to enclose. Verse 6 says, they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. See, at his word, at his command, the net full of fish. What a lesson for us. See, if you're saved, you've been called to be fishers of men. But our success depends wholly upon Him. I find sometimes we go through fruitless labor. There have been times I have toiled and toiled and witnessed and witnessed and not a single fruit, not a single fish. And the Lord shows through this that He is the giver of the fish. He is the giver of the fruit. Now, I believe the, the, the principle is we're called and we're to go and, and we're to be involved in God's work, but we need Him to bring forth the fruit. Our job is to wholly follow and to do it His way. I like verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John the Apostle. He's the writer of the Gospel of John. and He's giving this testimony. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, speaking about himself, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. It is the Lord. And in his mind, three and a half years later, or, or previously, Luke chapter 5, uh, there was another time they had labored all night, caught nothing. 
Jesus borrowed their boat and preached from that boat. And then Jesus said, launch out into the deep and let down. Jesus said, your nets for a drought. And they launched out into the deep, let down one net and caught so many fish in that one net that their net began to break. And John must have remembered that time. And he said, it's the Lord. Nobody else could do this. And so there was that daunting proof. But here is the divine provision. And I want to relate this to you and I this morning. Look at verse number 8. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. Verse, uh, verse 9. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and, and bread. And you think about this. They, they fished all night. They're hungry. They're tired. They're discouraged. Uh, Jesus already had a fire. He already had fish. He had bread. He was prepared for them. In verse number 10, Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and a hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Uh, through this miracle, he showed the disciples his mighty power, and ability to provide. How would they provide for their families in the ministry? It was nothing for Jesus. The God who created the world would supply their need. He was the same God that fed the multitudes with five loaves of bread and two little fishes. He's the same God that sent Peter previously to catch a fish and to take the coin from that fish's mouth and to pay his taxes. He's the same God that made every one of those fish in the Sea of Galilee. The Lord is expressing to them his provision. They could trust him. Their job was to seek first the kingdom of God. And his job was to supply their need. It's Brother Wilkins' favorite life verse, as he would often express. And he would tell the story as a, as a young man, how God called him into the ministry. And how God put upon his heart, Matthew 5, or Matthew 6, verse 33, to seek first the kingdom of God. And he would give testimony how time after time after time, God supplied his need. And he learned that his job was simply to obey God. And God would supply. It was nothing for Jesus. I want to camp out for just a moment on verse number 12. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Come and dine. It's an invitation from the Lord. Here is the Lord on the shore. He's prepared the fire. He's laid fish upon the fire. He's got the bread. The table is spread. He said, come and dine. Throughout the word of God, there are multitudes of invitations. Very important invitations. The Lord called Noah in the book of Genesis. Noah built an ark. 
And then the day came, God said, Noah, come thou and all of thy house into the ark. It was an invitation. Noah brought his family into the ark. The Lord closed the door of the ark. And then the judgment of God fell upon a world that had rejected the gospel message. Noah and his family were protected. Come into the ark. And to the sinner this morning, the Lord cries out, Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Uh, what the Lord is expressing to each of us I know the depths of your sin. I know your failure. I know every detail about your life. And though your sins be as scarlet, you come unto me and I can wash that sin. Incline your ear, he invites, and come unto me. Here and your soul shall live, saith the Lord. To the weary, Jesus cried out, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, closes with an invitation. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Come and die, Jesus said. Perhaps like the disciples, you've labored with your life. And it's been fruitless. And Friday, I spoke with a man. Here was his testimony. He said, preacher, and in the 60s, he said, preacher, my life has been a waste. I've lived all of these years. And all I have to offer for the years that I lived is guilt and shame and failure. It opened the door to spread the gospel message. To say, come and dine, you see, Jesus has a table spread. Open the door to say he died for your sin and he can save whosoever will come unto him. Open the door to share your religion can't save you. All of your good efforts can never get you to heaven. All of that will be fruitless toil. But Jesus paid it all. And you can come and bow your knee to the Jesus who supplies every need. And so this morning, come and dine is an invitation to any person who has not the gospel in the heart and the assurance of a home in heaven when you die. It's an open door. Come and dine. Maybe you're like Peter. I believe Peter was saved, but he failed. He denied that he knew the Lord. He went out and wept bitterly. He got out of God's will. He led the other apostles out fishing, away from the will of God. Uh, this was Christ's invitation to Peter, come and dine. And what the Lord was saying to Peter, and we're going to see more of that tonight, is, is Peter, it doesn't matter how far you've gone and how much you've failed. My call upon your life is still real. I can forgive that sin. I can restore you in fellowship. I have a plan for your life. I can provide your needs. And in verse number 13, it says, Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, and giveth them 
and fish likewise. I mentioned previously, after a night of fishing, nothing. They're disappointed. They're hungry. They're tired. They're weary. But he refreshed them and met their need. Come and dine. I want to relate this to one day. We'll be on the sea of life. And the master's going to call us to shore. We're going to find in heaven a table's been spread. We're going to find that all of our labor will be o'er. And because of a resurrected Savior, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. One day, all of our labor will be o'er. One day the night is going to be gone and that day will arise and we're going to meet the Lord Jesus Christ on that golden shore, that sea of Galilee and we're going to find with Him we will fellowship for all of eternity forevermore. And what a day, what a day, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. You see, my Jesus is alive. And he's real. There's the dissolution plan. I go a fishing. I think in discouragement and confusion. There's the designed purpose. And, uh, no fish barren through the night. Uh, an undiscerned presence. Though he was there, they didn't recognize him. But he proved to them beyond any shadow of any doubt. It was he. And there was the divine provision. Isn't that glorious? When the resurrected Lord shows up, no matter how discouraged or how failing you have been, when Jesus shows up, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm glad today that my Jesus is here, that he's real, and that he knows your need this morning, and he alone can meet that need. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning.